0: Fitness could be for someone who hates, you know, working out. Maybe throwing, let's throw a ten-pound weighted vest on someone and have them go for an hour walk, where we're at least creating some tension and tricking them into, you know, working on these tension techniques and getting that heart rate up a little bit. But to the point where they want to come back and rinse and repeat every day. Welcome back to the Aging Backward,
1: Growing Forward podcast. Today we got a special guest, someone I've known for many, many years. And you guys know from the original podcast that we launched, we wanted to talk about the different buckets. And the, one of the buckets that I'm really passionate about is the fitness and the exercise bucket. So for me, it was finding the best qualified person to have this conversation with. So today, um, I'm just enthusiastic and I'm so excited and thankful uh, to introduce to you guys Don Saladino. Some of you guys may know Don Saladino uh, if you've been to donsaladino.com you know who Don Saladino is. If you haven't, you got to go to donsaladino.com because he's got incredible content there. He's got so much to,
0: to offer, but I'm going to let Don give a little bit of his background. Don, it's great to see you. Thank you for being with us today. Eric, I mean, it's such a, such a pleasure, man. I mean, it's, it's been years since we've seen each other in person and uh, God, I remember just sitting there having a conversation with you. I think at some of these summits that we'd always go to okay. and uh, Ken, I'm totally honored that you invited me on. Thank you. You're really welcome. So, Don, give me your
1: personal journey into the fitness industry. I mean, we've talked about this offline so many times, but it's so inspiring. And tell the audience, how did you get into fitness?
0: Wow, you know what? I I, got to back it up. I mean, I got to back it up to the second grade, man, because, I mean, and I don't mean to go that far back, but I think that's really what set the tone for me. Um, I I had massive um, uh, hearing surgery. I had tubes put in my ears at a young age. I was about seven years old. I had a stutter, which... You know, it's probably still in there at times that I'm, you know, I, I definitely take ownership over it and, and I'm pretty proud of it. But, you know, I, I, I think this was at a time when, you know, think, times were just different, right? And they would take kids who were going through issues and they would stick us in a class of five people. And then you're walking out of a class looking at the normal class of, you know, 20, 30 people. And, um, you know, you've definitely felt inadequate and you definitely felt you developed some insecurities at a young age. So, You know, jumping through that time and coming home all the time and, you know, I remember being upset and I remember, you know, dealing with some demons at a really young age. Uh, I'll never forget my dad putting a baseball glove in my hand. Probably before that, he was a good ball player um, and we started playing a lot. He worked in the catering business. So he um, ran a catering hall in Long Island, which my first day of work, I'll never forget. I think I was seven years old. They put a broom in my hand, real kind of blue collar mentality, but I was wearing a tuxedo to work. Consistently at 12 years old. Wow. And I was doing everything from sweeping floors and working hard and seeing my father deal with these relationships. And I really attribute a lot of my career to my dad um, and my mom because they gave me that ability to be able to communicate with people. Right. Uh, so we started playing ball at a young age. And um, I remember going to the schoolyard one day and playing with the entire class and just being like a few levels ahead of them. People were looking at him, me like going, holy shit. Like what, like where'd this guy come from? And I remember running home that day to my mom and I was like, mom, oh my God, like you have no idea how good I was today. Like I'm I'm really good at something. And she looked at me and she goes, you're going to be good at a lot of things, right? Like you're going to find your path and yeah, and yada, yada, yada. So at that point um, I developed this obsession of playing baseball and I got into other sports and, you know, fortunately I went off to play division one college baseball and um, nice. I was a two-year captain and I had an amazing four-year career at my school. Um, got looked at by a couple of professional teams, got picked up to play professionally over in Europe. And while this was going on, I remember um, going to tryouts and being like, well, when am I going to get my training session? in? <laughs> like I almost started prioritizing lifting. And I, and I remember in college, you know, as a freshman and sophomore, the seniors were coming to me, asking me for lifting advice and nutrition advice, because they just realized I was so dialed in on that. And then I graduated, decided that my path wasn't going to be baseball because I kind of said to myself, you know, it's time. Like this is, I got picked up by a a BS team over in Italy. I was like, man, I'm going to drag my feet for four or five years. I'm doing something right now that I want to do. And that was training at that time. And then that's really when my career started taking off because I did spend a year in a brick and mortar facility, which I believe every trainer on the pl- on planet needs to do. Yep. You need to go clean up weights. You need to deal with people in volume. You need to be able to deal with different personalities, 10, 12, 13 sessions a day. Amen. And you <laughs> need to learn how to manage a schedule. No, you really do. And it's like any, I, I get DMS all the time. Like, how do I want to do what you do? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like Eric like I like Eric I want to go you know start a chain of gyms one of the most successful chain of gyms in the world like how can I do that and you're like really are we going to have this conversation right now how much time do you have cuz I'm going to go through every fail- failure and I'm going to talk about I'm going to try and push you in the direction of not doing this cuz you better be pre- prepared that you know it's not just about like oh you're yeah, making millions of dollars now is nice and you know being able to control my schedule now is nice and being in over 63 countries for me is nice but Man, I was, uh, Tom Plumber said it about me recently. Don Saladino's a 20-year overnight success. Like, it didn't happen like
1: this. Yeah, I no. love that line, Don. That is such a great line for people that are fitness enthusiasts and that are passionate about that industry as a whole. And that's a lot of my, my particular following as well. And you hit it on the head, you know, overnight, 20 year success. And it's, it's it takes the roots down. underneath, you see the bloom of the flower, but the roots are underneath. And
0: yeah, people don't yeah. want to work. I mean, they don't want to, you know, going and working in a big box gym, just for me to tell people that for a year, they already check out. I'm like, guys, oh, it's not going to happen. Like the you experience. have to nurture, you have to nurture relationships. Yes. You have to add value to people's life. Like people want to ask me, like, how did I build my career? Like I became the ultimate connector. Like someone would call me and they'd be like, I just had surgery. I'm going to be in London. I'm finding them the best PT in London. I'm not getting paid for for that. I'm doing that because I want everyone when they think of fitness, health and wellness, I want them to think of me. And because I want that's. I want you to be did that connector. for me.
1: I remember I called you last year when my daughter, Carmela, she was up in New York and she needed a chiropractor. And I knew Don, like Don's got to know everybody in New York and you, and she loved, by the way, she loved the, the doc you recommended. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It, and she had an, I knew what she had. She needed decompression, but I'm, I'm down here in Florida. I'm like, I
0: can't help her. I have no
1: devices. You're also dad.
0: Yeah. Right, I'm also dad. You're bad. also dad. <laughs> right? My just really, 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 really quick story. My son the other day is 15 and he's going to be 15 soon. And he's working out here. And I'm like, Oh, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, where'd you, where'd you get this from? And he's like, yeah, dad, I found this Brazilian guy. He's like <laughs> all ripped up on TikTok and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, look at it. What are you thinking? I'm looking at it. and I'm like thinking to myself, none of this is offensive. There's a couple of movements in there, but like, I don't want to beat him down. So he's like, what do you think? I'm like, great job, buddy. Like, keep it up. Like, just be safe. Don't like, I don't want you putting a bar on your back right now. And there's certain things I don't want you doing, but I, I, I need to stay out of it because, you know, I want my kids to enjoy this. That's a perfect lead into my next question, Don. That's one of the questions we often
1: get. I get it from parents and I get it from young people that used to work for me. I get it from people that I meet and they're they're constantly asking me, what do you think is a good age for people to engage in fitness? Well, let's, let's break up fitness first by its components, resistance, training, cardio. There's so many You think of fitness. Now the word is very diversified. So I guess my first question is, is how do you define fitness yourself? And then let's talk about when do you think people should enter that? Um, starting in, you
0: know, adolescence or- I I really define fitness more as like movement, right? Because I'm not gonna, do I, am I very drawn to strength training? Of course I am. But, you know, if someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I love spinning. I spin five days a week. I used to be sedentary and now I am obsessed with it. I'm like thinking to myself, like spinning my favorite form of cardio. I'll be honest, it's not. Like I'd rather you do things where you're not in this position, but if you love, if you absolutely love it, then it's my job to allow you to be as resilient as possible to spin. So I'm going to work on things like thoracic extension. I'm going to work on hips. I'm going to work on getting those glutes to fire, you know, releasing those hips a bit. And I'm going to work on those weak points that might catch up on you in time. So for me, fitness really is, it's, it's about movement. It's about creating a little bit of tension if possible, because we want some bone density. We want some muscle. Muscle is body armor. People think a muscle is like what you and I have and, no, I don't think of it that way. I think if my mom had some muscle at 77 years old, when she made that fall last, um, last year and she needed massive hip surgery, her body would have had that body armor to withstand that fall. So that is my goal for people. I wanna take them into their 70s, 80s and 90s with some body armor. And, and listen, if you absolutely hate the gym, as a coach, you better find a way to go into your toolbox and find something that is going to give them that type of training effect. So for me, fitness is a very broad word, but fitness could be for someone who hates, you know, working out. Maybe throwing, let's throw a ten-pound weighted vest on someone and have them go for an hour walk, where we're at least creating some tension and tricking them into, you know, working on these tension techniques and getting that heart rate up a little bit, but to the point where they want to come back and rinse and repeat every day.
1: So when you're at talking to a young person, we you know we see athletes aside, right? Because we know that that's a different cohort, but. You know, we see that there's a lot of, you know, younger people that are, um, you know, a little bit overweight, BMI's are getting a little higher as they're younger. What is your recommendation to the parents that are listening, you know, for they're getting their kids engaged in fitness, the how to what's the, yeah. like you just said, you talk to your son and I do the same thing. I never shut down whatever they're doing. That's great. Thumbs up. You're moving, you're sweating.
0: I, you know, yep. we'll work on all that other stuff yep. as you go. Yeah, no, it's a, listen, it's a great question. The first thing I'll tell parents is you better practice what you preach. Mm-hmm you better practice what you preach because if you're a parent sitting there trying to force your kids to eat well and you're trying to force them to train, which I completely disagree with on, on both fronts, mm-hmm. you shouldn't force them. You need them to follow your footsteps. I'll, it's, a, it's a great story. I never forget probably. So my daughter now is 16, my son's going to be 15. I think they were about 11 and 10 and they turned to me one day and they're like, we want to go for a hike. My wife and I smile and we're like, amazing. So we went up to Comset and we're like, you guys are leading the hike. When you want to turn around, when you want to stop, you let us know. And I think we hiked for like five or six miles. I was shocked. Wow. And then afterwards, they asked me early in the morning, they're like, can we get ice cream today? And I said, absolutely. So after the hike, I said, do you guys want to go for ice cream? And they said, no, we want to get fruit smoothies. So I turned around and I went, wow, my wife and I laughed. We took them for fruit smoothies. And then three or four hours later, they looked at me and they said, can we get ice cream now? And you know what I said? I said, absolutely. I said, absolutely. And what it's about is we need to teach our children that being healthy is something that makes us feel good. It shouldn't feel like a job. It shouldn't feel like school. It makes us feel good. I've got an outdoor jungle gym here. And I remember at a really young age, my training partner, his name's Tony, 61 years old. The guy does pull-ups with close to 200 pounds around his waist. He's an anomaly. He's just an absolute freak. Um, He shouldn't even been alive. He's been shot 11 times and stabbed twice. And my kids call him Uncle Tone. Just bad place, bad time, young age. Let's put it that way. It's another story. (laughs) But I remember when we'd be going outside and um, Donnie would see Uncle Tone at probably seven, he's about seven years old. And he'd go, dad, I want to come work out with you. Uncle Tone and I would look at him and be like, "Nah, man. He'd be like, why not? This is big boy stuff. And he goes, but dad, I can do it. Me and Tone would look at each other. We'd smile. And I'd go, yeah, Donnie, you know what? You can come out here. This is work for Uncle Tone and I. And when you feel like stopping, I want you to stop. I'm not going to push you, right? Like, I don't believe, like, I'm not going to sit there and push my son. If my son wants something and he needs to push himself, he needs to do that on his own. If it's a sport, if a coach is like, push your son, I'm like, no, I'm not pushing him. He pushes himself. Now I'll give them guidance. And if I see his grades are dropping, yeah, there's, you know, I, I, I got to step in here. But when it comes to exercise and play... They see what I'm doing. They see the healthy lifestyle. My my daughter's a pescatarian now. Like she's, she decided for probably close to three years for more humane purposes, but she's trying to make good food choices. My My son, they're both, you know, they play baseball and softball. My daughter's on swim team. My son Rose, he wrestles. I'm not forcing them to do anything. They're making these decisions because they see their parents. They don't play video games. They have a video game system. Are they on social media too much? Yes. Right? They all are. They all are. They all are. <laughs> but you know what? You got to take the good with the bad. Yep. But as a parent, you can't expect your children to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. I love that. So don't be a hypocrite and try and force your kids to eat grass fed meat and vegetables when they see you eating pizza, you know, six, seven days a week. It just doesn't work that way
1: do as I do, not as I say, right? That's what, that's the, the best advice out there.
0: And as for, and to get to your second part of the uh, question, you asked in what age, I mean, we were getting into that a little bit earlier. Um, I really think at a young age, it should be more about play. Okay. It should be more about, you know what? Like, let's get away from the structure. You know, let's get away. Like at, at young age, run, jump, throw, carry, yep. play sport hang on the jungle gym bars, do those things. Fantastic. And then I think like like one of my good buddies and mentors, Mike Boyle, who everyone knows Mike, he's like the godfather of strength and conditioning. Mike, you know, would even say like 12 years old is a good age to get them into some structured training, which I, I think that's a fine age. I might, I might even push it a little bit later mm-hmm. uh, just because I don't want them to, I don't want to force them in there. I want them to play. And then when they're turning around 13, 14, and they're like, oh, we want to do some resistance training. I'm like, great. I'm not really putting them on machines. I might start them with a jump throw carry. I might right. start them with some sprints. I might getting them do some unilateral movements, right. you, know, uh, you know, one leg, one arm, nice. utilizing the core, having fun, moving, good team approach, camaraderie, doing things that are a little competitive, getting them in and out quick, 30, 40 minutes max, like you're done, get out. I want them to want to come back rather than beating them to death, you know? I mean,
1: that's probably almost the formula for the novice as well, right? I mean, someone who's just entering into exercise, and that was I remember that, you know, obviously in the gym business, we had the same thing, is how do we engage a client who was sent to the gym by his doctor or her doctor? Hey, you got high cholesterol, you got, you know, really bad you know blood pressure, you got terrible A1C, and these people have to move, right? And their doctors would just say, well, go work out, but they really wouldn't script the workout, because it wasn't, there wasn't their qualification, not their field, right? right. And then the, you come in, and the training staff would look at them, and be like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And that was always the key, and you know this engagement in the beginning is just so critical for, for people that are listening, if you've never worked out, you just started working out. The key is to get you past like the first six weeks, because that's when you can start usually seeing something. The statistic in the industry was, you know, 60% in six weeks. So 60% of your members would leave the gym in six weeks. In fact, Tom, you've heard depressing. that a times life, <laughs> It's a crazy, it's a depressing number. It is, but it it's was a very true, number. for a long time, a very true statistic that was tried and true, give or take a little bit. So the goal was always to how do you do. It? So what you just said, I think, is very interesting. And in, in, in fitness, if you're just starting and you're just working with a trainer, or you're looking at a program like the programs you have. What do you recommend for that particular client?
0: Um, for someone just looking for a, for for a program just just to get just started. Just Get
1: started. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think if they if their thing is that they want to want it and they've had a, t- a difficult time being consistent. Let's say that we're taking the. the the general population, right? Because the general population out there are struggling to get off the couch. They're always setting new year's resolutions that are unattainable and they're being inconsistent. They're that 60%. I would first find out like, what are their triggers, right? If there's someone that's coming to me and they're like, Don, for some reason after 20 minutes, I just lose focus and I'm designing a 19 minute workout, right? And I'm going three days a week. And I, I think it's really easy to stay motivated. If you show someone progress and you allow them to to um, enjoy this entire process. So, a gr- I mean, a great story, and this pertains to it. Was and I just heard it from Chris Poyer from um, Perform Better. But our our, our good friend, this uh, trainer, and his name is Brian Nguyen. You know, he worked with Wahlberg for for years back in the day. Um, Brian was giving a talk a few years ago, and the following year, he's addressing his crowd, and he goes, "Did anyone hear me speak last year?" And a woman raises her hand. And he goes, Do you remember what I spoke about? And she goes, No, I don't. So everyone starts laughing. And he goes, Well, let me ask you a question. I'm happy you're here, but why are you here? And she looks at him and she goes, Because you made me feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big disconnect. I think you've got a million coaches out there that are so focused on being the smartest sounding coaches. And I, listen, I was, I was, um, I was, I fell into that trap. I mean, I've taken, 300 courses in my life. I still continue my education, but I also understand that when you're talking to people, we got to speak to people. They're coming in in a vulnerable position. Yes. Play the game with them. The whole goal at that point is to make sure that they're enjoying what they're doing, that the training's safe, and guess what? That they want to come back. And if you can really check those boxes, you're going to be a successful coach. But if you're coming into the session and you're just Trying to give them like the Deadpool workout, or like you're 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 trying to hit them over the the head, like you're just not going to be good. Like there's there's good trainers and there's good coaches. I feel like that there's two different things, you know.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I think Martin, you know Martin, he wrote a
0: he's Martin, great. He, he wrote a great book about that,
1: uh, which he sent me a copy. I thought it was outstanding, and it, it, it's telling because in, and again a lot of a lot of coaches and trainers, you know, that I, I in my network, hopefully they're they're listening to this because. It's so important to to make that connection with your client because uh, people start exercising for so many reasons. We know it's therapeutic physically, but it's also therapeutic emotionally. It's a place where you can get to offload some of that, that anxiety, that energy and, and the benefits, the neurological benefits that everyone's talking yep. about finally are great. But so let's fast forward a little bit. So let's go to like, now let's go down the road to some of your your serious clients, and yeah, and there's terms out there because people, you know, it's it's almost like the buzzwords you hear, and, and you heard the Atkins diet and nutrition. You heard the, in fitness now you hear about like TUT. What is TUT? Time under tension. In fact, I love TUT. In fact, I, you just did a post about it recently. I was like, oh man, I, I, one of my trainers at one of my gyms two years ago. I had never really understood that whole concept. It changed my world, like mm-hmm. as a, an advanced exerciser, understanding. Mm-hmm time as opposed to just constantly pressing every weights having sore joints like 49 years old like i'm on a red light bed at serotonin three days a week right because yep. I, I need to get my inflammation down i take bpc 157 i do the whole peptide stuff but when i started switching my training style as an advanced exerciser it allowed me to advance a
0: notch up in my yeah. own
1: physical and performance so talk to that let's talk a little more deeper in advance for the listeners
0: yeah i i, I mean listen it's things change when you when you when you hit your 40s right um I think the good news is, is you can still PR. Um, you can still do things from a body comp standpoint. Like, you know, I shot the cover of muscle and fitness. I think it was last year, uh, awesome. might have been the year after before that, but you no, know, I've shot a dozen covers and I can tell you right now, I feel my best now at 46. Um, but we think about things differently, right? I mean, specific movement patterns. I think there needs to be some variability in there. I think there's two people approach it with too much of the same mindset all the time. Bodybuilding, for instance. Um, When I speak to a lot of bodybuilders, they're always talking to me about injury. They're always talking to me about, you know, well, these machines I can do because this hurts my knees or this hurts my back. And, you know, I really think it's because their training is too monotonous throughout the year. They're focused Mm -hmm. on the pump. They're loading the joints the exact same. They're not really allowing enough variability in there. Where after the Olympia, if maybe they took a month and they just (laughs) focused more on movement quality rather than trashing the muscle – This would release, uh, the term I like to use is that you have a a moving car and the parking brakes on. As soon as you start flossing the body and the joints and allowing movement to kind of re-enter into your training lifestyle, um, you'll find that your body feels really good. And I think that's what time under tension did for you rather than focusing on moving weight, which obviously gave you a great physique in your life. You've always had a good build on you, but now time under tension is probably forcing you. It's obviously forcing you to slow down your tempo it's forcing you to use loads that are a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. and you've opened and you've broadened your mind when it comes down to training. Maybe rather than always pressing from a 15 or 20 degree incline, you're now going to a 45 or a 60. You're loading the joint at different points. And I think the body needs this. Now, I think there's also, um, that can go in the other direction because I think when people turn around, they're like muscle confusion. Well, muscles don't have brains, right? It's like, they're not like confused. Too much variability, I also believe, can hurt us because if you're coming in, you're always trying to do different stuff, then you're not really improving those qualities. You're not really improving those movement qualities. So I do believe for a period of time, we wanna commit to getting good at things we're not good at. And then a lot of these movements, if you have good program design, they have something called carryover, right? Like Mm -hmm. no one looks at the deadlift as something that works the lats and that works the glutes and the lower body. Like they just think of it as, a, oh, it's for lower back. Like, no, it's a full body movement. Like you're creating tension. You're rotating the, the bar out. You're trying to bend the bar. You're trying to get that lat to engage. There's a lot of carryover in these movements. And I think when you um, start training with coaches that know what they're doing, they start you know, broadening your horizon a bit. And then you realize that, listen, at 49, I think you look probably as good as you've ever looked or as long as I've known you, right? And your body's moving well and, and you seem like you're doing great. So you know, round of applause to this. But this is just an example that, guess what? Going into your 50s, You're probably in better shape than most people in their 20s, right? (laughs) So stop the bullshit of like, whoa, you're getting older. Like we're all getting older. We just have to change our thought process a bit. We start focusing on rest and recovery a little bit more. Mobility is a huge part of my life. I spend 15 to 20 minutes every day in mobility. I'm doing things like saunas and cold plunges that are sprinkles. Like Mm -hmm. they make me feel good. They don't make up the crux of what I'm doing. Like they're they're just – you know, the whipped cream on the ice cream, right? It helps. and It makes me feel good mentally. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very, you know, it's a general question. I'm giving you a general answer, but I think for those of you out there that are training and you're not seeing the results you want, I think you just got to, you got to change your approach. Right. That's a that's
1: great, if, you know, we talked about, um, the exercise or induced plateau and, yep. and I had this conversation off with people, but you also, like you mentioned, that was such a great point on, and I'm so Thankfully, you shared it about changing too quickly, like stick with it, get that adaptation that's needed, get the physiological, the neurological, like you know, sometimes you dive a little bit in the weeds on science, but sometimes you'll have to, you can, you would keep it 30,000 feet. Hey, here's why we're doing it for a six week program or whatever. That the time is, like I said, the 19 variability,
0: variability is good. Like I was, um, you know, I, I hosted a retreat this we- year for two weeks in, um, in Mexico, we rented an Island off of Puerto Vallarta. We brought in 150 people from over 30 different countries. It was insane. Wow. It was the first time in my life that I trained for two weeks without a form of resistance. It was all body weight. And My body felt great. I came back to my lifts. I felt amazing. I I looked at that as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now, my training approaches throughout the year might go from anywhere from bodyweight training to the conjugate method, right? Mm -hmm. To bodybuilding training, to eight by eight, to kettlebell training. Like I will commit to blocks of training and I'll dive into it like, okay, this is my approach. And I'll spend time getting good at that. And it gives my body a break from other, other types of, movement patterns. And then I transition to something else because I want to enjoy it. I want it to be fun, but I need my body to feel good. So if my body's looking really good, but I'm like, oh, you know what? The shoulder's hurting, the elbow's inflamed, the knee's bothering me. There's something wrong with my programming, right? Like, and and that's something that I think most people need to recognize. It's like, you could be enjoying a a group training concept because of the community. I get it. But if your body is feeling worse, then you need to assess the program design and how you're living your lifestyle.
1: That's an excellent piece of advice. If I was going to ask you about your own training program, so I'm glad you you were, you were seasoned that sure. into there because people would love to know, like, what are the advanced exercises doing? And, and what you just said is incredible because it does show that you look incredible. God bless you. You're, you're physically fit. Thank you. And it's not because you're doing one thing. And, and unfortunately, most people want that are listening. You probably want that one single answer. And, and, and the whole purpose of this conversation, why I want to share it with all of you is because there is no real one single thing. It's the one single thing is you got to constantly have change. Well, you,
0: yes, you just said it, but, but also if you ask me the one single thing that I've been cons, uh, consistent with, it's that word it's consistency. consistency. Oh, so yeah. if you, like, someone turned to me the other day and they're like, over the last 25 years of your life, how many times have you woken up and just decided to take a day off for the sake of it? I'm not talking about being sick. I'm not talking about, what you know, breaking my wrists or my knees or getting hit by, you know, whatever, like all my injuries, not gonna have been contact. Mm-hmm. And I said, Never, never. I, I never in 25, 30 years woke up and said, Well, I'm not gonna train today. I've woken up and been like, oh my God, I'm 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 half dead because of, you know, I, I I'm, you know, I, I'm sick or whatever it is. I can't move, I'm in bed, fine. But waking up and just saying, you know. I'm not doing this for the sake of not doing it. I've never done that. And I think that's the only thing I can truly say that I've done as good as good as anyone else. It's having that level of consistency, understanding that even today, getting into my session, I was a little slow. The warm up was extended a little bit. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, I started moving. Started with some, um, after my my 15 minutes of a pra- I call it practice, my movement prep, but I practice things. I'm trying to like So my movement prep today, my practice was thoracic bridges, hip 90, 90 with a kettlebell hanging from a bar couch, stretching and hip airplanes. I went through those five bodyweight movements, three rounds that took me 15, 20 minutes. Then after that, I'm starting to like get my mojo a little bit. I started with four sets of 50 yards on, on side sled drags. I did Three sets of one-minute weighted planks, and then it was game time. Dyma- dynamic effort day, 10 sets of three, 45 seconds rest on a 30% squat front squat. It wasn't even heavy, but moving the bar with some speed on, on the concentric, going into some sumo wide grip snatch deadlifts, which I haven't done in ages, having two specific accessory movements to finish with. An hour and a half, I'm done. I felt like a million bucks. Love it. But it was just an example where in the beginning, I didn't want to do it. But I never take off. Yeah. You
1: You hit it. And and, and that's the beautiful part about it. And that pays such dividends, you know, as you get older age, it, 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 it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, and I like to explain to people when you're training and you start this regimen after you get that, what I call you know, they got to form the habit, create the discipline. But once that discipline is created and it's like, Hey, I wear socks. If you wear socks, you're going to wear socks every day. You're not going to think about it. You're going to put on your socks, brush teeth, You brush teeth every day. You don't think of it as a chore to, like, it's so systematic. And the people that just get that, and and I don't miss a day. Wherever you go, like you travel, I travel, we go around. The first place you look, where's the hotel gym? Where am I going to work out? Where's there a piece of turf? Where am I going to move? It's so important. Like I, I, you know, we went up to the beach for a couple of days over the Labor Day weekend. Like my biggest concern is, okay, I knew there was a retro fitness down the road. I was so excited about that. I'm like, I go visit one of my older gyms. Great. And then I was like, okay, where well, am I going to do some cardio? I want to do some zone two training. I was like, God, yeah, God, the beach, resistance in the sand, perfect to get my heart rate. Like I, I spike real high, right? And that stuff. So it was like perfect, but it wasn't even like, I wasn't looking for restaurants. I didn't like, I didn't care like about like anywhere, like the beach towels were going. Like none of that stuff mattered. I mean, I tried to, but my training was the first thing I thought about because instinctively the discipline was like, I have to do that.
0: And, and, and because I want to. And all the it's part you of your survival. It. Yeah, that's that's what it is. No, it really is. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's part of your sur- yeah. sur- survival. I mean, I, people don't understand. I, I always said my most important client ever, and people don't get it. It's myself. Oh. It, it really is. It's like, and I was, I, I could not take on all the clients that back when I was training people, I don't train people anymore. But like back when I was doing that, I would, I would always carve aside an hour and a half a day two hours a day to get that session in. And if it meant me not taking someone on, I would do that because my mental health, right? Put aside the muscle piece of it. I'm not, uh, yeah, do I like that my body looks decent? Sure. Like it's, it's, I I love that part of it, but I love, I chase a feeling. That's how I quantify success. It's not about how many times like a bench press 225, even though I don't want to be strong or deadlift or squat or do all these things. It's about, I chase a feeling. That mm-hmm. moment my training session ended and I was getting my post-workout nutrition, I aim for that every day because mm-hmm. there's this feeling of satisfaction. And I think when people are like, well, I don't have time, I'm like, bullshit. Like I went up and did a presentation with Jeff Cavalier, the X guy recently. He's a good friend. And you know what? I woke up. I knew. I was like, oh, my God. i have a long day. I got to train. I was up at 3.30. Would it. I recommend that every day? If you have to. Do I want to do that every day? No. But I had to get it in. I had to get in, and when I was driving up to see him, my mind, my headspace, when I presented, I was in a great spot. And if I didn't do that, I'm not the person I want to be when I'm in front of that group of people. I agree,
1: and, and and once you start tasting the benefits of all this stuff, and there's there's true science behind, you know, runner's high is a real thing, right? I mean, that, people thought that was yeah. like just a, a term. That's a real thing. Like once you get a taste of that, that's what gets people hooked. And 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 again, we're both so passionate about fitness, and, and we love it so much. And it's great that people could hear this because I hope it digests into this is allowable. This is, there's a future in, in, in your, in for you listening to continue this forever. Fitness doesn't never has to stop. In fact, it's evolved so much. You know, one of the points I'm talking about was how it evolved with even technology. So multiple formats of technology, you take advantage so much of the technology platforms for content to, to dispense as well as the, the devices, the wearable. So where do you
0: fall in your, your thoughts on technology and fitness, Don? I, I use it right, but I'm not using every aspect of it. Like for instance, like I've been working with aura for years um i yeah exactly right like i like the data on it it's it's the most solid um wearable device out there i i think when it comes to sleep i mean and i'm getting that information from brandon marcello whose job is as a third-party research expert he'd be a great interview one day because he breaks down every device from apple to aura to whoop and he'll tell you what's good and what's not good but you know i'll use this stuff to be able to enhance behavioral change. So if I turn around and I'm, I'm I'm, toying with the fact that, well, am I having carbs in the evening or not having carbs in the evening? You know, I over months, not a day or two or a week, over months, I can start recognizing where those patterns are going, right? Because, and this is where I think people mess up. Like suddenly like they'll throw a device on and then one night they will turn around, like, oh, I pulled carbs from my diet. Oh my God, my aura, my readiness, everything was amazing. I have to go no carbs now in the evening. And then, and then a couple of days later, they're like, why am I sleeping like crap now? Right? Like they're, they're not realizing that there's so many other variables. Well, right. how much access to blue light did you have? How stressful was your day? Um, did you do zone two cardio or did you do high intensity cardio? Like, where were you at? Like, um, what was your nutrition like? What was your hydration like? Did you have enough electrolytes in your body? All these things. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. So um, the wearable devices I think are great, but I also put this, which I, I love this company. I'm being very clear. I put this on the hands of a friend of mine who was claiming to sleep perfectly. How's your sleep? Amazing. I want to try Aura. I'm like, be sure? He goes, yeah, I really want to try Aura. Are you waking up at night? No. My head hits the pillow at nine. I sleep till six. I do not wake up to use the bathroom. I am out like a light. What happens? I get a menorah. The first three nights, his sleep went to shit because he was so panicked about the data that he wasn't able to use it. And let's use DEXA scan, for instance. I like DEXA. I've used it. I've used it pre and post muscle and fitness shoots. I've used it throughout the year to be able to come in and use it as an indicator Maybe I'm doing too much cardio and I'm losing muscle. Like there's, there's signs I, I I can, I can receive from using ADEXA, but I've, I've seen people going for body fat tests every three to four weeks. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like, we're like, you're driving yourself nuts. You went up 0.001% of body fat. It's probably not even accurate. Either stop using it or we're not talking about it. Because you, you, you shouldn't be using that. So I think if we're going to use tech, I think it needs to be used by someone who's going to use it constructively. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I, I'll never forget one year, I, I had five hockey games a week. Literally, they were like early in the morning. I'm training like a lunatic. I'm eating beautifully. And I went in for Dexa and my body fat went up. People were like, well, why? How's that possible? Well, when I peeled back the layers, I wasn't getting enough calories in. I was in too much of a deficit. Yep. Doing too much cardio, and yeah, I, I I started you know I started putting on some body fat. I actually lost a little bit of muscle, and it was a wake up call for me. Did I get depressed over it? No. What did I do? I increased my calories up, my nutrition. I started working on building muscle. I still yep. play hockey. I still love it, but I you know it was a reminder that calories are really important. Right. right. I don't like having people live in deficits. so I'll use this data mm-hmm. as um, measures of tracking. I think I think the my favorite way to utilize tech with everyone. I I just love steps. Like I, I just do. I I love, and it's so basic. And I had the conversation with Will Ahmed, the CEO of whoop when I worked for whoop six, seven years ago. And Will was like, well, we're not tracking steps because we're a high performance, you know, device. And I'm like, well, steps are high performance. Like this could be a form of recovery for an athlete. Um, you know, I've lost some weight recently and people are like, how'd you get leaner? You're always single digit body fat. You change your diet. I'm like, no, what'd you do?'" I'm like. I've been throwing a weighted vest on five, six days a week and doing zone one walks Love for 50 to 60 minutes a day, taking calls, putting headphones on, relaxing, breathing, getting the sunlight. I lost like six, seven pounds. That's like, how's that possible? I'm like, cause I went from walking 12,000 steps a day to probably closer to 20,000 steps a day. My sleep's improved. I feel better. Okay. Like this is. Now, I wouldn't know that without that tech component. So that's where I love it. But again, as we start obsessing too much and I'm turning around and I'm seeing people wearing like polar straps and auras and Apple watches and whoops on the other side, I'm like, guys, like, Chill
1: out. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I love the data. So for those who are listening, a, a DEXA scan is a very elaborate mechanism of determining lean body mass versus body fat. It also sure. determines your bone density. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great test. There's there's a handful out there. In body is another version. Uh, a lot of gyms offer that. Uh, even our serotonin centers, we offer in body scans. We have the upgraded version of that. And again, it's a measuring tool. They aren't all perfect. Some people submerge themselves in the tank to get their lean body mass. 100%. Those are, that's hard. You got to expel all your
0: air out of your lungs. Yeah, I, you, I've, I've, <laughs> I've done that. That, it's very difficult, it uh, is, uh, but yeah. I, I've actually been able to manipulate these devices. Like I've taken, I, I've actually been able to, I've gone in and I've tested it and I'm like, watch, I'm going to be able to manipulate this. And I've been able to manipulate these devices yeah. through things that I do with hydration or, or even I've even gone as far to jump on an elimination diet for 10 days <laughs> where I lost like 10 pounds and I went in and I and I got tested and they're like, How'd your body fat go from 8% to 5%? I'm sitting there and I'm like, <laughs> bullshit, right? It's like, oh, all right. Like, was I really able to drop my body fat that much? No, like I'm right. not going to do that in 10 days. But like these things are, you can manipulate these devices, but again, behavioral change. If you're using yeah. them as a means to make better decisions, That's the key. that is where I think it could be gold. If you're going to jump into this and you're going to obsess and try and peel back, why did my why did my body fat increase by 0.001%? You know, you don't just, you shouldn't be using it. Like you're going to drive yourself crazy. You're going to drive your cortisol levels the stress hormone is going to go through the roof. And that's why you're going to end up putting on body fat. It's going to be because of know. stress. A, right? per,
1: that's such a great piece of advice too, Don. I mean, tech is wonderful when used appropriately. And right. um, I, again, I'm, and I'm one of those people where I fell into that category. I obsessed oh, yeah. over my, my zone device. I would, you know, I, I'm looking at my aura constantly. And I, and I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm now using it more for just, it's a, it's a box that I'm checking. Okay. This is the calorie count that I did what happened when I trained? Like I did a rock walk. I got, I, I just picked up rocking. I heard Peter Atiyah talking about, it. I never, I've, that's one thing I've never done, never wore a weighted vest. And I did it this morning. And I'm like, and I noticed that depending on the temperature here in Florida, when I do this, it changes completely what my workout's going to look like my heart rate. So, but if I don't have my, my zone, my heart rate monitor on, I don't know that I'm in the 90% of my heart rate. I'm like, okay, I've got to slow down or lighten my load because this is not the zone I want to be in for this particular modality that I'm doing. So I use it as just a gauge of checking and you know, the, the meters, if you will, but you know, and yes. And and
0: then you start finding out that there's different devices, like anything high intensity, anything high intensity, it's a chest strap, 100%. And listen, I, I've, I've interviewed Ray maker over it, who, um, you know, is a, a research expert, Brandon Marcello. I've had calls with my zone. Um, I've had calls with, um, uh, uh, oh, I've had calls with Apple and I even have, um, a Polar. a puller, puller mm-hmm. got on the phone with me. And I'm like, I'm just curious, like why the wristwatch and the, um, and the chest strap. And they're like, cause the chest straps more accurate. And I just started laughing I'm like, well, thank you for your honesty. And there, and even Raymaker told me, he's like with, with the wristwatches, if you're a triathlete and you're gripping a bike tight, if you're sprinting and the arm action is moving fast. This is not going to grab the chest straps needed. Now, when I do zone one or zone two, I can leave this on and I'm fine. As I get into zone three, four, five, guess what? That chest strap has to, has to go on. So there's also different devices, different strokes for different folks. Yeah.
1: Good, and that's so. that We'll call that an expert tip right there, right? So for for high intensity movements, the definitely the chest strap, as Don said, that's that's a perfect way to to to, to key that. And if you are wearing, because wrists are they're convenient. Let everyone people get really weird about strapping things around their chest. I've learned this in our in the gym business. We had that issue, and then uh, so a lot of those companies did do the wrist one to kind of compensate to get some kind of data for our clients. But I will tell you that. Uh, I'm a, I'm a wrist I'm a chess guy, right? I I mean I wear my Apple watch. This is an Apple watch I'm wearing, and just in a fancy little, little thing my wife got for me.
0: about to say but, it's nice. Yeah, I'm getting <laughs> a little get uh, get jealous over jealous. here. Like, well, it looks well, good. Well,
1: we'll send you a gift. You a gift. <laughs> <laughs> so we, but I do use it, and I, but I, I will say, but when I'm just walking around, like you know, during the day, like say so, man, managing steps, how do they do? Because uh, I I do look at steps as well, because it's just again, it's just a good metric to see what did I do. The today's because I, I I have a tendency. There's days I'll sit at my desk for eight hours if I have to plowing through emails and so. And I if I didn't work out that day, I have like zero movement, like no steps, like it, I may have been in a coffin. So I'm like, I've got to do something. So that reminds me, you know, these devices remind me, hey, um yeah, it's six o'clock. But you gotta you gotta at least get on the treadmill or just
0: get outside and go for a walk with the dog or something. Someone asked me the other day, they're like, why do you wear both? And I'm like, well you know, I love this because when I'm in here, I can adjust my volume of my music (laughs) (laughs) or like if my kids are texting me and I have my phone down on the desk and I look down, I'm like, Oh, it's my son. Let me run over. Right. And like, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's different reasons for using it, but yeah, the zone one zone two here and the other reasons I just listed listed. And then this for me, it's about sleep. It's not really about the readiness score because if I wake up and the readiness score is telling me I'm in the tank, but I feel great, I'm not listening to it. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I'm noticing an elevated heart rate and I'm not feeling great, wow, maybe I have COVID. Maybe I'm sick. Let me look into this. Then I'll go, then I'll go address it. I can really pay attention to sleep patterns, behavioral change, yeah. REM deep. Now, are those numbers even 100% accurate? I'd say probably not. But I think the trends are really good to follow. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and that's what I would – if you're going to get into it, that's what I think you – I would obsess more over the trends.
1: I agree with that 100%. So Don, if someone's listening and they're an exerciser and they, they've heard a couple of things that we've just talked about, you, you, I know you do programmatic stuff on like that's whole year. And that's been an incredible, like you transitioned from, like you said, I, I don't train one-on-one anymore in the gyms because I have, but it's not like you just stopped doing, you have a whole platform now. Yeah. So if you don't mind, we just share a little bit about yours, because I think I'm so fascinated by some of these content platforms, especially yours, because thank mean, you of what you deliver is, is thank immense. you thank, well
0: i mean I, I want to explain to people like i was in the brick and mortar space for 15 years i had two clubs in manhattan i mean one of my clubs it was probably two million a year just to uh just to operate that was my overhead i mean it's wow. a, you you know that stuff can get expensive and um you know they were they were successful but to be able to end my lease may 31st of 2020 it was perfect timing. I got into the digital space back in 2010. I um, launched a company called Driven. I partnered up with athletes, um, Adrian Peterson, Dwayne Wade, and Ernie Els, and got into the app business and really um, became massively successful. Uh, became massively successful quickly, and then failed just as quickly because there was a word in there called engagement that a lot of these athletes and a lot of their agents didn't want to provide to the product. And I think it was a huge learning curve for me. So I think no matter what platform you're going to launch, it could be simple, something as simple as developing a program and, and, and distributing it through Dropbox, which is one of our three ways of distributing. I have an app company that I'm part of, Zim called playbook, which mm-hmm. is, you know, done very well. I've been a part of it for seven, eight years. I love that. And then I have my challenges and my challenge community. Now we're probably 10,000 people deep. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's, wow. it's pretty massive. Awesome but I sell programs globally in over 60 plus countries and we deliver those programs through Dropbox. Wow. Very, very simple. So we have this tech platform that's does very well. It's massively successful, but still the importance of the simplicity of Dropbox and delivering programs to people. It's very easy. It's very comforting. And it's something that a lot of them just don't want to release. So we have both those options. One for the tech, someone who's really tech savvy and the one of the other one who just wants a printable PDF Um, it's simple as, but no matter what you do, if you're in the business, you are not going to be successful if you don't engage with people. So when you hear trainers or you hear business people talking about, you know, making money without working a day and blah, blah, blah in our business, it's complete horseshit. Like Mm -hmm. you have to nurture clients. You have to supply. And that's what I did as well as anyone in the industry. My session never ended when that hour was up. I was sending them you know, tripods, they were like, what the hell is this? I'm like, I'm sending you a tripod so we can, you know, when you're on the road, you can film and you have something that's comfortable or I'm sending the meals or I'm sending them supplements and they're trying to pay me. And I'm saying, don't worry about it. I'm reinvesting in them and coaches. They do a really bad job of it. They, they, they're, they're so focused on that hour session rate and they're not focused on the other 23 hours during the day and making sure that things are easier for your clients or doing something so unselfish is like, hey, I know you're going to this restaurant tonight. Either blow it out or if you wanna stay on the tracks, I circled a bunch of items that I think you can go right. for. And even if they're not taking advantage of it, the thought, the yeah. fact that you're sitting there spending extra time. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I could tell you right now, I have given, I've trained over 40,000 one-hour sessions in my life. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. I have given more free sessions that I can almost challenge any, almost anyone training the last three to five years of of their life. That's how many free sessions that I gave because I established relationships. I was proving myself to people early in my career. I was working with editors and then guess what? Then things pick up and then you become the source and then you have head fitness editors, publishers contacting you going, we need your help. And that's adding value. And then that's, that's when I think a lot of coaches are going to realize that their career takes off. But if you're looking for a monetary exchange with every little thing that you do, whether you're in the digital space or the brick and mortar space, you're not in the right business. Yep.
1: Well, and clients and like, like I said, people that are even listening here that are, that are just exercises that engage with trainers. It's good to know that because that there are a lot of passionate People that are out there that are in our business and they're they're looking to be really helpful and they want they want that outcome and so so here that is phenomenal. With your content, Donald, you can actually take your stuff and go into a brick and mortar gym like a retro fitness or a place hundred percent and just load up and work out and have it because you have all this
0: equipment around you. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Awesome. It, it, it's listen. It's so I didn't get involved in training. I always wanted to be massively successful, but when I got involved with training again, it's getting back to my buddy Brian with that woman saying it was a feeling. There was a feeling I got from helping people. And I think as a coach, you got to focus on that feeling. You can make millions and millions and millions of dollars a year being in the space, the most successful coaches out there. You know what we're doing it and we're happy doing it, but we still never disconnect with that feeling. My yeah. goal, no matter what is to help someone improve. Have I had clients leave me? Have I got, had them get bored of me? Of course it's going to happen. It's part of life. I can't expect someone to be training with me. Like, you know, not everyone's going to be Ryan Reynolds where they're training with me for 14 years, right? There's a level of loyalty there that I'm grateful for. But I also understand at a certain point, you know, people are going to get bored of hearing my voice and they're going to get bored of, you know, how we might, might approach things. As much variability in there. It's going to happen. You need to, so, you know, I, I, I think, get, you know, you got to be, you got to pay attention to that feeling. You do what you do. You're massively successful at it. But Eric, you love it. I know you love it. It's evident. I could see it on your post. I could see it when you're talking to the camera. This is not some scripted bullshit. You're doing it because... And you know, in all fairness, you you could have thrown in the towel after, you know, (laughs) when you were done. You could be sitting on a beach somewhere. Why are you doing this? Why are you talking to me right now? Because you want to make change. You want to make a difference. It's part of who you are.
1: It's true. I love it. I still love it. I'll remember the first personal training job I had during you know, my end of high school, I actually lied. I tell the story to everyone. I, I, I fibbed about my age to get my first personal training certificate and uh, I took it, I was working at back and I was like 14 years old. And then uh, later on, I had a client that came up to the, I was working in Staten Island at the, then the gold's gym. And uh, I, I was there after hours working out, getting my session in, and a very heavyset gentleman had come up the door and he knew it was closed because the hours were on the door, but he was just looking in the window. He's peeking in He's looking into the gym and, I noticed, I'm like, oh gosh, why is this? So I, so I saw him and I ran up to the door and I opened it and he got like startled, like, oh no, 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 don't even open the door. So I said, Hey, what's going on? I said, I'm Eric. I just put my hand out to shake his hand. I said, What's your name? It's my Mike. I I still remember the guy's name. So I'm like, well, What's up, Mike? He's like, Oh, I just wanted to see what this place looked like. And I was like, Well, it's not a museum. I'm like, Well, but come on in, I'll give you a, I'll give you a little tour. He goes, No, 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 you're working. I'm like, no, come on in. Brought this guy in. No, mind you, it's just me, the guys that are cleaning the gym. And Mike, so we walked through the gym and I'm just talking to him. He clearly has an issue with his weight. I mean, it was obvious. And he, and he was a big fella. And he had some, he told me about his kids, his wife. We you know, just started talking, asking those questions. And I said, Mike, I said, do you want to be able to throw a ball with your son when he's in high school? I'm like, because if this is the path you're on, I'm like, that's not happening. I'm like, so let's get down to the brass tacks. I'm like, you're here because you want to start. You came at this time because you didn't want to start today, but you want to start. He's like, yeah, he goes, I, don't, I, I want to get in shape before I come to a gym. And I've heard this. If I had a nickel every time I heard someone say that, right? and you probably heard it too. Uh, before I hire a trainer, I want to get in shape. Before I come to the gym, I want to get in shape. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, we, we're, the, we're the people you come to to yeah. do that. Start, yeah. start here. Go join that gym. Um, so I did a workout with him that night, and he was in like literally dress clothes. I'm like, come on, sit down on this machine. Let's go. With I showed him a couple of so things. Like, and, and then we talked, and I said, come back tomorrow. I said, I'll meet you here. What time? Well, I got to be at work at nine. I'm like, All right, I'll be here at five. You want to come five thirty? I, and I was living in Jersey and I drove back. I met him at that gym. We had a workout. We talked more about it. I said, let's just sign you up. We had the back then they did those like the 30 day money back guarantees oh, and yeah. all those all, Right. I said, yeah. like, this, this is, you have nothing to lose here and I'm going to work out for 50 days." And I did. And that guy wrote me a note when I opened my very first gym, when I opened mine. So years later, I opened up my own gym. I left there. That guy had wrote me a note, sent it there. And then I was still, I'm still friendly with the owners of that gym. They had forwarded me the letter. They said, hey, you got to read this. Now, I, this is a letter I wish I had kept. I got to tell you that it it, it it really it made me cry because I was so, in, I couldn't believe. It. The guy said, you had changed my life. You saved my life, my marriage, my kids. I was in such a bad state. When I met you that night, I, w- I was having like thoughts that I never thought I was even, ha- I was such a, cr- I mean, and that just continued to give me the enthusiasm to do what I do and why I do what I do and why the industry is doing what it does. Uh,
0: but forever. that's the story. That's, that's it. Listen, I have some great friends that I work with and I have people and not to celebrity name drop and you know, you know, I don't like doing much, but Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively have been my show ponies for the last 14 years. Krasinski, Emily Blunt, all these people, Annie Hathaway. I love them. I never one session forgot that I'm there to deliver a service. Now we talk, we might have dinner, we might do this and that, but when I go in there, it's business. 14 years later, I go in there and I am like, all right, how you feeling? How'd you sleep? Are you hydrated? What's your schedule like the next few days? All right, let's get moving. All right, well, you know, and then it's we're making that approach. So coaches need to realize that like wow. you know, come on man, like don't, yeah. you know, you're becoming friendly with this person, but remember, you're expendable. You are replaceable. The second I decide to stop working with those people, you know, I'm 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 okay with admitting that they're going to move on. Yeah, sure. And they are. And it's like, that's been a good quality of mine. That's been a reason why I think I've still Mm -hmm. been relevant in the industry is because I understand that, you know, I can be replaced. And, um, you know, you're, 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 you're making me laugh when you said you were kind of fibbing on that, on that one story to the, to the guy. I got to tell the story quickly. My first client ever at drive. We were at the time charging a big nut to to join. Mm-hmm. He was the founder of Tommy Hilfiger. He came into my club and he goes, how many members do you have? And I went 93. He <laughs> goes, there's no one here. There's no one here. I go, well, it's 10% of your total number is going to show up every day. So if I have a hundred members, I got to figure 10 people a day are going to show up. That's a statistic. And you just happen to be here when no one's here. And he went, well, okay, well, what are the membership costs at the time? This is a golf fitness training facility. This is back in 2005. I go, it's 5,000 a year to join. It's expensive. So I said, it's 5,000. He goes, well, what about for me and my son? I go, well, for you, it's five grand. Your son will discount 3,500. He goes, sold. So I'm in the office and I'm like, oh my God, like this is amazing. (laughs) Like thinking we're gonna be flying private jets. You got the best concept, like not noticing that we're gonna have a tough time over the next few years. So a year later, I'm out at dinner with the guy, became my mentor, one of my closest buddies. He goes, how many members are you up to now? So remember, I said 93. So I look at my brother, I smile, and I look at him, I go, 97. (laughs) He goes, what are you talking about? And I go, well, yeah, 97. He goes, you were at 93 last year. You know, you've only gotten four members? I'm not really. I kind of lied. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, you know, I don't want you to think that we were going under and we needed the money. So, you know, I said 93. What number was I, what, what number was me and Dustin, Dustin and I? I go, technically you were number one and Dustin was number two and we just lost it. We were dying. We were like, it's the greatest story ever. Sometimes you got to fib a little bit, man. You got to fake it till you make it. (laughs) That's awesome, Don. Don, that's the reason I wanted to have you on today. And
1: I'm, and I'm so grateful for our Thank time you. together, man. This is The stories are great. The, the tips are better. Hopefully, um, our listeners are going to sift through. And, and I always say, you know, listen with a note a notepad when you listen to great podcasts because there's always nuggets. Not every word is going to be great when you're listening to podcasts or watching podcasts, but when you get nuggets. And that's how I do it as well. I just listen for the things that are meaningful to me. So I'm sure today there was lots of nuggets and lots of, of, of jot downs uh, for this episode. If not, there'll be show notes, of course. But Don, where can our listeners listeners find you if they want to check out your program. Thank you look
0: for you. Thanks. Thanks again. It's Don My Instagram's is Don Saladino. I'm on all social channels. Anyone's got any questions, shoot me a DM. I'm normally very good in getting back to people. When you're in New York next time, let me know. I want you to try and take a trip out here. We'll do a training session. I I'll buy you lunch, know. dinner, whatever it is. I'd love to see I, you.
1: I'm definitely taking you up on that, Don. And, and and I appreciate you. I love your brother. It's great seeing you again, even on video. Man. So everyone, uh, thanks for joining us again for a wonderful episode of Aging Backward, Growing Forward. Uh, hopefully, you got some great value out of this. And as always, I hope you had a lot of takeaways. We want you to take something away every time you listen. We got to give some value to you. Um, looking forward to being with you on our next episode. And again, thanks to Don Salatino for
0: joining us. Thank you so much.